Section 13 of With Fire and Sword. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. With Fire and Sword by Samuel H. M. Byers. Chapter 11, Part 2. Once I crept into a little deserted frame house, and, happening to find an old white palmetto hat there, I changed it for my own, on account of the heat. I then laid my rebel jacket and cap under the boards, and, fastening my pantaloons up with a piece of broad red calico that happened to be with the hat, sallied out, seeing what I could see. I very soon saw more than I had calculated on. I had wandered well off to the right of the army, and was quietly looking about when a squad of cavalry dashed in, shouting, The Yankees are on us! There was a regiment of infantry close by, which sprang to its feet, and every man in sight was ordered to seize a gun and hurry to the front. I, too, was picked up, and before I had time to explain that I was just going over to my division, a gun was in my hands, and I was pushed into the line. The whole force ran for a quarter of an hour into the woods, firing as they ran, and shouting. Suddenly, as a few shots were fired into us, we stopped and formed line of battle. The skirmish was soon over. Some cavalry had flanked the Yanks and brought them in, and while their pockets were being gone through with by my fellow soldiers, I slipped to the rear, and was glad to get back into my own cap and jacket. I lay in the little empty house that night. Sherman's army had been banging at the city fearfully, and setting houses on fire all night. It was a little revenge, I presume, for the losses in the skirmish in which I had taken so picturesque a part. These shelled houses had emptied their occupants into the street, and a little after daylight I noticed a family with its worldly baggage piled on a one-mule wagon, stop in front of my residence here's a house out of range of bullets why not move in i heard a manly voice call to the women and children following with the traps move in i thought to myself well they can stand it if i can the house consisted of but one large room unsealed and reaching to the rafters with the exception of a small compartment finished off and sealed in one corner on top of this little compartment were my headquarters. In they moved, bag and baggage, and the women folks soon commenced preparing a meal outside, under the shadows of the front door. This half-finished room had been used as a butcher shop in the past, it seemed, and the meat hooks in the corner had served me as a ladder to mount to my perch on the ceiling. Now, Johnny, chirped the wife, do run up town and buy some red and white muslin. We will make a union flag, and when Sherman gets in, as he's bound to, we're just as good union folks as he is. You know I'm dying for real coffee. I'm tired of chicory and Injun bread, and I don't care if Sherman's folks is in tomorrow. We'll draw government rations and be union. These good people were probably poor trash of the South, not caring much which way the war went, provided they could get rations. Their general talk, however, was of the real rebel character, and it was an unsafe place for me to stop in. In an hour the banquet before the front door was prepared, and all hands went out to partake. Soon they were joined by a rebel soldier, 
who seemed to be on a half-hour's furlough to visit the young lady of the party whom i took to be his sweetheart sherman's army i was sorry to learn from this soldier was being simply mowed out of existence all the woods about atlanta were as a reeking corpse sherman himself was in flight northward by looking more closely through a chink in the weatherboarding of my hiding-place i discovered that he was reading all this dreadful information from a copperhead newspaper from chicago and then i felt easier again there was the talk about money-purses made of yankee scalps and finger-rings from yankee bones and during the dinner i was no little astonished to see this valiant southerner exhibit to his eager listeners a veritable ring rough and yellow made as he said from the bones of one of sherman's cavalrymen this was probably bragg the banquet of cucumbers chicory and injun bread was about terminating my soldier with the ring had used up his furlough and was gone the house was still empty and it was now or never if i proposed getting down from my perch without alarm my plan was silently to climb down the meat hooks which i had ascended and to slip out at the still open back door of the house on peeping over the edge of the ceiling however what was my amazement to see a bulldog of immense proportions tied to one of my hooks here was a situation he was sound asleep but had an amiable countenance i dropped a bit of plaster on his nose he looked up amazed and smiled then i smiled and then he smiled again and then i carefully crept down patted him on the head said good-bye in a whisper and in a twinkling was out at the back door my gratitude to this dog is boundless i had found it unsafe to be about houses and again i took my lodgings in the field again i was busy just going to my division but never getting there once near the sacred quarters of a brigadier the guard arrested me i protested and our loud talk brought the brigadier to the rescue i explained how i was just going to my regiment and how my pass had been lost and the necessity of my going on at once the brigadier took in the situation at a glance and with a pencil wrote me a pass good for that day fighting was going on about atlanta constantly but with so many apparent reverses to our arms that i feared i should never get away the memorable twenty-second of july came and with it the most terrific fighting on hood's right and in fact all round the semicircle about the city a division with my alabama regiment entered the battle on hood's right wing and i followed at a safe distance as an ordnance sergeant everybody was too busy and excited to ask me questions and in the hope that hood would be defeated and an opportunity for getting through the lines be at last presented i was feeling good hundreds thousands possibly of wounded men fell back by me but all shouting the yankees are beaten and mcpherson is killed it was too true mcpherson had fallen and if reports were correct sherman's army had met with an awful disaster for me there was nothing left but to get back to the rear and try another direction i knew that sherman's advance was at the ford at sandtown on the chattahoochee river at our left could i only get there i might still be saved 
i had now been seen among the rebel forts and troops so much that there was the greatest danger of my being recaptured and shot as a spy on the night of the twenty-second i took refuge under a hedge near to a field hospital no food and no sleep for days was killing me still there was no rest for all the night long i heard the groans of the poor fellows whose arms and legs were being chopped off by the surgeons the whole night was simply horrible i might have died there myself i wonder that i did not only the hope of escape was keeping me alive i had not eaten a pound of food in days daylight of the twenty-third came it was my birthday auspicious day i thought and again my hopes gave me strength and courage to work my way past lines of infantry and cavalry all day till nearly sunset i had crept around in the woods avoiding sentinels and now i was almost in sight of the longed-for goal it was not a mile to the ford when darkness set in i should swim the river and be a free man more i had news that would help sherman's army to capture atlanta a thousand pictures of home of freedom peace were painting themselves in my mind one hour more and all would be well hark a shot and then a call to halt and hold up my arms i was surrounded in a moment by fifty cavalrymen who had been secreted in the bushes how or where i know not we were in sight of the river and the union flag was just beyond it was no use here to talk about being a confederate i was arrested as a spy and in great danger of being shot then and there without a hearing i was partly stripped searched thoroughly and then marched between two cavalrymen to general ross of texas who with his staff was also at a hidden point in the woods general ross treated me kindly and gave me lunch and a blanket to rest on it was his duty however to send me to the division headquarters to be tried i was again marched till nine at night when i was turned over to general h he was sitting by a fire in the woods roasting potatoes and reviling the yankees as i was arrested as a spy and to be tried i deemed it best to say nothing try to escape from me to-night shouted general h as if he were commanding an army corps and i'll put you where there's no more scaping through the whole night a soldier sat at my head with a cocked pistol but for the first time in days i slept soundly why not the worst had happened by daylight a guard marched me up to the city where hood had army headquarters in the yard of a private residence on the way there my guard a mere boy was communicative and i persuaded him to show me the paper that was being sent around with me from one headquarters to another i read it sure enough i was considered a spy and was being forwarded for trial the paper gave the hour and place of my capture with the statement that one of those capturing me had seen me inspecting a fort on the previous sunday when we reached hood's tents in the dooryard of the atlanta mansion i was turned over to a new guard and the document brought with me was carelessly thrown into an open pigeonhole of a desk out on the grass by a clerk who seemed too much disturbed about other matters to ask where the guard came from or what i was accused of i at least noticed where the paper was put 
there was the most tremendous excitement at headquarters orderlies and officers were dashing everywhere at once fighting was constantly going on and an immediate retreat seemed to be determined i was left that night in a tent with a few other prisoners among them two deserters sentenced to be shot close by on the lawn was the desk where the clerk had deposited my paper our guard was very accommodating or very negligent for he allowed different persons to go in and out from our tent at all hours during the night daylight brought the provost-marshal general to the tent to dispose of the prisoners the name of each was called and all but myself were taken out heard and sent off and who are you he said pleasantly enough to me i stepped forward the clerk was asked for the paper but it was gone it certainly had been misplaced said the clerk in embarrassment he had put it in that particular pigeon-hole i testified to that myself and added this sudden inspiration coming to me in the emergency that it was of little consequence as it was from an officer i didn't know whom who had simply picked me up as an escaped prisoner the provost marshal took me aside and asked me if i had been about the works or the troops any i told him my name that i was really an escaped prisoner and that i had just walked up from macon and had hoped to get away you have had a hard time of it he said and i almost wish you had got away i hope you will soon be free he added and that the cruel war is almost over it was a sudden and great relief to me to know that now i was not to be regarded as a spy what became of the papers and the charges against me afterward in the midst of war excitements i never knew the next night the provost marshal sent me under guard back to macon prison whence i had escaped End of chapter eleven part two